Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 240. Today is Sunday, the 2nd of July, 2017. And this interview is with Jean-Yves Chenon, who's a binational American Frenchman. Sound familiar? He's also a digital entrepreneur, content creator, media consultant, and founder and CEO of JYC, a production studio dedicated to VR, AR, and 360 videos. He's also the founder of OOA World, a website dedicated to original, creative, and qualitative multimedia storytelling that boasts a community of over 10,000 people. It's a worthy visit. In this discussion, we discuss the state of the business in VR, AR, and 360, what companies could or should be thinking about in their marketing strategies, and a lot more. A delightful man to know. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue. I am excited for this uh, podcast we're about to do. It's with um, a chap I met Thanks to Global Editors Network, someone who's been um, working on in the world of virtual reality and augmented reality. And who, last time I hung out with Jean-Yves, it was in Austin at South by Southwest. So Jean-Yves Chenon, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Tell us who you are, what you do. And as I like to ask my guests, what's your mindset, Jean-Yves? Great to be here. And thank you, Mentor, for, for having a, me on, on the Mentor Dialogue. My mindset, that's a very large question. If yeah. you give me a few parameters, I, I will try to narrow it down. But generally speaking, I try to be positive. I try to have an outlook uh, about the big picture, but also be detail-oriented. That sounds like very good. So, Johnny, tell us about your, your business that you're in. and this, you know, How on earth can you, you get into it in the first place? So I have a virtual pro, uh, reality production studio. We're based in L.A. with a presence in London and Paris, but we also produce 360 video and now increasingly augmented reality production. So you're in the, you're in the very heart of mixed reality. Do, do they all go together? How do you, how do you separate them? Give, give us some ideas as to what, what each does. They're all part of a spectrum of immersive technologies. So I'll, I'll go over the, the concepts and definitions very quickly. 360 video is video footage in a sphere. The, the user, the viewer, is in a sphere where they can orient where they're looking at to look around the room, look around the setting, to get a feeling for the place. Virtual reality currently is more akin to a 3D environment in a video game where we can interact with objects and move. Augmented reality uh, consists in adding overlays of digital information on top of the real, real world, for example, through a mobile phone camera. Very clear. Jean-Yves, love that. So uh, w- why these three together? Why, I mean, are there, are there overlaps? And how is it a technical issue? Uh, they, they separate. Uh, give us a little bit of an understanding of what each is in terms of the technicalities behind. Not only are there overlaps currently, there also will be uh, increased overlaps as we go as the three media converge. We strongly believe that we are going towards wearable devices where we'll be able to, uh, to consume this content, whether 360 video, virtual reality, or augmented mixed reality, uh, all in one. So you could very well imagine, just as you have different windows on a desktop computer, having different immersive windows through your wearable device, which will be the size of glasses. Uh, so this is why we're trying to understand the broad spectrum of these technologies because the 3D assets or the, the physics you're using in virtual reality 
are entirely, or at least in a great part, reusable for augmented, just like 360 video will be consumable in these more advanced headsets in the future as well. So at the end of the day, we're in the world of optics, of, of visual experiences, immersive as you say. So it's going to have to include the eyes as far as the device is concerned. Is that correct? That is correct. And there are a few questions which remain yet un uh, unsolved or unanswered uh, as to how close can we get these devices and displays to our eyes on, on a continued prolonged basis. Uh, so far, many people experience virtual reality uh, for short periods of time. It remains to be seen what the effects are, and there are different kinds of projection, whether they're based on retinal projection or mirrors in front of our eyes. And I do not know at this point, and few people do, there will be research what the effects uh, will be long-term. So just to clear one thing, we can't have a virtual reality without an object over our eyes. <clears throat> what I'm looking at is, is there going to be a way that we could have virtual reality just by opening our eyes? So two ways. One is through holographic projection, and we're seeing uh, more and more experiments in that domain and, and real-life applications, and you can imagine the, the holodeck from Star Trek. We are still years away from a large-scale working product that's energy efficient. It's really about energy consumption and whether we can get that into consumers' households. And unless the processes behind those kinds of projections uh, change drastically in the years to come, it will remain an inefficient system. The second way, and, I, and that too is years away, perhaps a decade, perhaps two, are getting from uh, wearable devices that are currently the size of a brick to then the size of glasses to then eventually the size of lenses. Hmm. All right, so Jean-Yves, between 360 video, augmented reality, and virtual reality, which one is sort of the head of the pack? I mean, because we were just listening to Facebook yesterday, and of course we're surrounded by journalists who are in this sort of the media space, naturally. So they're looking at all these different forms of media. <clears throat> Maybe you might need to segment that by, by sector, but which of the three are, are really at, are running, are running ahead right now? I will segment it by sector. Okay. Uh, there are three heads of the pack. Uh, 360 video was the most accessible to start with, and in the journalism documentary world is a highly effective tool because it's mo more accessible, more cost-effective, and more photorealistic. But it has its limitations uh, due to lack of interactivity and movement, at least currently. Virtual reality for, is ahead of the pack in terms of gaming and interactive experiences because video game studios have for a very long time created these kinds of experiences in 3D environments and are now uh, transitioning towards making them available in virtual reality headsets. Augmented reality is ahead of the pack and we are strongly uh, hedging on, on augmented reality because it's already available on our mobile phones, which means that, especially with Facebook and Apple's re recent announcements to make their platforms uh, more open to AR developers, we could see a huge transformation by the end of this year, 2017, in uh, consumers' habits with augmented reality. I mean, at one sense, I'm just listening to you because we're here at Gen. Uh, Facebook has their Oculus. So I, would, I was thinking you might say that Facebook is going to push more the VR world than the AR world. Well, uh, you, they, they would have thought so too. And it seems, and I can't speak on behalf of Facebook, but it seems that they are revisiting their strategy or at least deciding where and how to allocate their resources 
Uh, VR is very powerful to fully immerse the user in an experience. Augmented reality is perhaps just as powerful in a near-term future. And I think they're working on both ends with a lot of effort and intent. And also being aware that there will be a convergence between these different uh, media. At th and so they realized that, that once we have wearables, which are all in one, we could very easily switch from being in a fully occluded virtual reality world to being in a more transparent see-through augmented mixed reality world. All right, so if I'm sitting in my office in, in, in some headquarters somewhere and my business, let's say, could be uh, alcohol or automobile or uh, outdoor adventures, travel agency, how do I go about thinking about which one's right for me? In other words, you know, of course, if I am uh, travel, I can imagine visual scenes, but all right, we're all visual. So what are the, what are the ways that you structure which solution is right for me? So at this point, virtual reality and augmented reality and perhaps 360 video are extremely practical for iterations. They, they have very large industrial use to be able to replicate an object, a, a, a building process industrially on large and fast scale rather than have to physically mani or manipulate a physical object. So th that's a direct application for both VR and augmented reality. Now, with augmented reality, typically, uh, you'll, you'll want to be in a location or manipulating objects which exist in real life. So one other question to take into consideration is whether those are available or not. If they are not, perhaps you are better off trying a virtual reality solution. If they are and you want to add overlay information on top of those real-life objects, perhaps you're better off with an augmented reality solution. Just so I can clarify, then if it's a hypothetical situation uh, and, you know, let's say uh, someone who's dying, it's sort of hard to have someone who's dying in practice. You, either it's real or it's not. Is, is that the kind of differentiation you're looking at in terms of if it exists or not? I wasn't thinking of that particular case. Um, well. I threw you in as a medical doctor, but it could be like, uh, let's imagine we have a 200-floor building, which we do not have in the world. The Burj, uh, you know, maybe only 120 for example. So yeah. something that doesn't exist, you can then simulate it in the, in the situation. Is that what you're saying? Yes, you can simulate it in that situation through mixed reality. And again, this is why mixed reality probably has a larger potential in the nearer and longer term. And when you, meant, when you talk about mixed reality, we're talking about AR and VR. Mixed reality is yet another form, but, but I think it's a matter of semantics too. But then you, you get into some of the technicalities uh, related to inside-out tracking. Currently, some of the headsets on the market require some uh, external sensors to be able to track where the headset is. Increasingly, we're going to have headsets, for example, the Microsoft HoloLens, where cameras are facing outwards and making sense of the real world. In fact, uh, creating a 3D mesh, a 3D map structure of the real world. That gives artificial intelligence, our computers, eyes on what is happening, something that, has, that was not of information that was not available to them before and that now will be. I don't know where that will lead to in the next years. All right, let's go back to the practical uh, use cases for business. So whether, and, and maybe you, if you can pick an industry that you, is of, of your mind, where, how do I go down the path of saying, all right, Jean-Yves, listen, I really, I really want to do something 
to solve this problem, which one's going to be right for me? Let's take the travel and adventure industry. So there, there are many use cases, but you have a physical product, uh, you're buying a bicycle, a tent, something like that. Perhaps your price tag is changing on a regular basis and you don't want to print new pricing labels. Well, if your consumers have a device which they can simply point towards the object, they can get updated information real time. They can also get a potential... That's using AR. Using AR. They can also get a potentially unlimited amount of updated information if they want to go into more spec sheets and things like that. Information you wouldn't want to include in, in your typical uh, store array. Uh, to think of another application in, in VR, perhaps, if you're building the bike, you might want to test different kinds of aerodynamics or you might want to put someone uh, on a bicycle on a prototype and have them experience what it would be like traveling through the streets uh, of Great Britain or, or France and having their user feedback in a way that's a lot more realistic be because they'd have gone through the experience rather than simply imagining that on a questionnaire. So in, in the second case with the virtual reality there we're talking about uh, research and development having users help you in the definition of it or can it be used in the retail space to actually help propel maybe personalize the bicycle I think at this point there is a certain challenge posed by the sheer size and bulk and relative discomfort uh, of the virtual reality headsets which makes it a little bit less likely in the next few years that that consumers will have access to these headsets to to try out the products in, in the way you described. You could imagine a brand organizing events with the VR headsets so that so that they can get people to to experience that. But really, it has to do with uh, consumption and numbers. The headsets are not currently in the households of people. Yeah, for sure. But I'm thinking actually, you know, in a store where you, know, you can invest in the store and the equipment. You bring the person in, it's set up on a, on a stationary bicycle, you put on the, the equipment, and then thanks to some imagined territories, you get to put the bike settings correctly. Absolutely. And, and, and the great thing is you could transpose that to any, any type of experience which you'd like to offer to the people coming into the stores. So, so what you're mentioning is location-based virtual reality or location-based augmented reality. And that's one, one of the biggest avenues of development for VR currently. I want to get that in, into that in a moment, but just, um, just before. So uh, yesterday I had the chance to, to play with the Oculus at the Facebook booth. And the, the, um, the scenario I went through was rock climbing, which, I, first of all, I've never done before. Uh, I, was not, I never had that as a kid. And second of all, I am shit scared of heights. So there I was doing this, and I, and I forgot to look down. I did not look down. So I was blithely going along, and then I would fall, but I didn't really bother. And then all of a sudden, I looked down, and I started to sweat. I totally was there. And when I fell, it did not feel good. Tell me, you've probably done that one. But where are we in the, in the potential to go even further with, this, with the verisimilitude in these type of environments? We're at the verge of the precipice, uh, <laughs> where, where we can still tell that consciously that we are in the physical, real-world location where we put the headset on. I was standing on the ground, I knew, and I had somebody beside me, but that didn't help. But viscerally, we... It's extremely powerful. You, you just mentioned the vertigo example. There are others. Fears, uh, excitement, 
these are powerful visceral emotions which uh, happen in VR in a way that very rational people did not expect. Uh, and that shows you how powerful VR could become in the, in the years to come as we work on technicalities such as uh, field of view, resolution, we add some extra stimuli for, for the other senses. We could well imagine a world where people do not distinguish the difference between where they were when they put the headset or whether it's a headset that, that will be seen and, and where they are in the virtual world. Yeah, I saw that film last year where they, they go into a... a, a they're, they pretend they're in another world and they're all like... They, they, they have to survive in a game, but actually turns out to be in reality. They are actually being killed. Uh, yeah, so I can imagine lots of things. Johnny, you and I have known each other now several years, uh, and we've talked about this before, but where are we in the construction of the story? Because it seems to me that whether it's, or in VR anyway, it's a question of the story and, and, and where you're leading yourself in order to have what as an outcome. We're very early in the conception of the story. Uh, just as cinema took over 100 years to develop the codes and conventions to, to get to where it's now and to be highly effective, we're just in the first years of the renewal of VR. I mean, there, there was a first uh, wave in the, in the 90s, and because the technology wasn't quite adapted then, uh, that fell through, and now we're seeing a revival, and, and the technology is uh, still needs to be polished. So I think we're very early in the conception of storytelling. However, it will happen a lot quicker than it did with cinema because as with other transformations, we now have more people and a greater rate of acceleration. So right now you are uh, you're based in, in, L Los, Angeles. in Los Angeles, and but you're an itinerant like myself and multicultural. Um, tell us what you're doing right now, because I, I know you're, you know, you're at the, you are at the precipice. You are at the front edge. One of the reasons we chose to move to LA was to be near the virtual reality and mixed reality industry, because really, that it's a prime location for the confluence between uh, developers, techies from the Silicon Valley, and expert storytellers from the movie industry and other industries in Los Angeles. We've greatly enjoyed every single second uh, we've spent there and, and have met many people, very, very bright people, and have been growing personally and business-wise thanks to, to that location in, in great part. We also travel quite a lot because it's good to, well, we, we have some... Uh, you and Carol. Carol and myself, I should say. She's the co-founder of JYC as well. And we... So, so we, we travel quite a lot because we have a mixed cultural background. Uh, we're developing ourselves on several markets uh, in France as well, where we're originally from. And we are looking at the Asian market, which will be, uh, by and large, the largest market for VR and augmented reality. I can just imagine. Um, yeah, so how does, how does one know where it's going to happen the most? Because, I mean, yeah, sure, L.A., Silicon Valley... America, but Asia and the smartphone and the greater, in my opinion, somewhat a greater sense of need for new, it feels, in Asia. I would agree. And for a long time, Asia and Japan have been at the forefront 
of these kinds of uh, early early adoptions of technologies and, and ways of life and consumer habits. So we are looking with great intent and excitement and uh, a little bit of um, positive worry at, at what's happening in Asia because we realized that in terms of geo geopolitics and the history of the world, a lot of the innovation, a lot of the culture change will increasingly happen there. JYC, what keeps you up at night? Whether I'm doing the right thing, whether we're building the world we want to live in, and this is what we're trying to accomplish on a daily basis. And uh, I hope that collectively, whether it's people working in VR or others, we, we keep that greater goal in mind. Well, Jean, for what I know of you and Carol, you guys are, are paving the way, and I appreciate the idea and the way you, you do keep that sort of societal responsibility within you. What's the best way for someone to connect with you, uh, Jean? Anywhere. Uh, you can find us on our web website, jyc.io. Uh, on Twitter, you can Google us, Facebook. Uh, happy to connect with anybody who's out there. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the show. Great to see you again, Jean-Yves. Looking forward to following your the JYC destiny. Thank you so much, Mentor. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray.
with all your favorite shades And we paint it with our fingers To show the world the way we feel Oh, oh the way I feel Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th-century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.